Babbel.com Language for life. Why Babbel? When you want to learn a new language, you want to be able to actually use it with real people in the real world. Every part of Babbel is designed with that goal in mind. Designed by pros. Lessons with realistic scenarios designed by over a hundred linguists. Use whatever you learn. Interactive dialogues that get you speaking confidently. Learn on any device. Compatibility with most devices with lessons that are only 10 to 15 minutes. Remember everything. Reviews that bring back everything you've learned. Number one selling language at learning app. Download the app today and start learning language for your everyday life from the App Store or Google Play. Choose how you learn. To start with Babbel, choose a plan that works best for you. Babbel app subscription. Get unlimited access to hundreds of award-winning lessons designed for all learners based on level and time commitment. Babbel live subscription. You'll have access to live virtual classes taught by top language teachers available at a variety of days, times, and levels, plus access to all Babbel online lessons. People love Babbel. Thousands of five-star reviews. Publications love Babbel. Babbel. The Wall Street Journal, Business Insider, CNN, Forbes, The New York Times, The Washington Post, US Today, CNET. Choose from the following languages like Spanish, French, German, Italian, Russian, Portuguese, Turkish, Dutch, Swedish, Polish, Norwegian, Indonesia, Danish. Over 10 million subscriptions sold. Good morning. Today's true crime story is the Great Train Robbery Part 2. Accomplices William Gerald Ball, October 22, 1913 to June 26, 1970, an accomplice after the fact of Roger Cordry was convicted as being one of the robbers despite playing a role no different from in, from the other from the many other accomplices of the various train robbers. Bull died in jail. Leonard Lenny Dennis Field, born 1931, date of death unknown, helped with the purchase of the Lillislade Farm hideout for paying the deposit of 5,000 pounds in return for a drink of 12 thousand pounds. Lenny Fields was allowed to think that the plan was was to hijack a lorry load of cigarettes despite not being in the robbery. He was convicted and sentenced to 25 years, 20 years for conspiracy to rob and five years for obstructing justice, which was later reduced to five. He was released from jail in 1967 and went to live in North London. John Denby Weeder, born December 17, 1921, died July 18, 1985, was the employer of Brian Field. He was convicted and sentenced to three years. He died in Harrogate, near Leeds, age 63. Islesbury Investigation At 5 a.m., Chief Superintendent Malcolm Futro held of the Buckinghamshire Police Criminal Investigation Department CID located at Islesbury arrived at the crime scene where he supervised evidence gathering. He then went to Cheddington Railroad Station where the train had been taken and where statements were taken from the driver and postal workers. A member of the gang had told the postal staff not to move for half an hour and this suggested the police to the police that their hideout could not be more than 30 miles 
48 kilometers away. It appeared from interviews with the witnesses that about 15 hooded men dressed in blue boiler suits had been involved, but little more could be gleaned. By lunchtime of the following day, it became obvious to Futuro that extra resources were needed to cope with the scale of the investigation, and the Buckinghamshire Chief Cosmic referred the case to Scotland Yard. George Hatherill, commander of the Sea Department and Detective Chief of Superintendent Ernest Ernie Millen, Head of the Flying Squad were initially in charge of the London side of the investigation. They sent Detective Superintendent Gerald MacArthur and Detective Sergeant John Pritchard to assist the Buckinghamshire Police. The police then undertook a major search, fanning out from the crime scene after having failed to find any forensic evidence there. At watchers put on the seaports, the Postmaster General Reginald Bevins offered £10,000 reward to the first person giving information leading to the apprehension and convention of the persons responsible for the robbery. Discovery of Leather Slade Farm Following a tip off from a herdsman from who used a field adjacent to Leather Slade Farm, a police sergeant and constable called there on August 13, 1963, five days after the robbery. The farm was deserted, but they found the truck used by the robbers, which had been hastily painted yellow, as well as the land rovers. They also found a large quantity of food, bedding, sleeping bags, post office sacks, registered mail packages, banknote records, and a, and a Monopoly board game. It was determined that although the farm had been cleaned for fingerprints, some finger and palm prints, presumably other robbers, had been overlooked, including those on the ketchup, on a ketchup bottle and the Monopoly set, which had been used as a robbery for a game, but with real money. London Investigation Despite the big breakthrough in the discovery of the Leather Slate Farm, the investigation was not going well. The London side of the investigation then continued under Detective Chief Superintendent Tommy Butler, who replaced Millen as head of the Flying Squad shortly after Millen was promoted to Deputy Commander under George Head Hatherill. On Monday, August 12, 1963, Butler was appointed to head the police investigation of the London Connection and quickly formed a six-man train robbery squad with Leather Slade Farm initially found on August 13, 1963, the day after Tommy Butler was appointed to head the London investigation, the train robbery squad descended on the farm. The key breakthrough was when Detective Chief Superintendent Mellon met a distinguished barrister in a smoking room of an exclusive West End club who told him that someone was willing to inform on the gang. The process of take talking to the informer was handled by Hatherwell and Millen themselves, and they never divulged the identity of the informer to the detectives in their command. The informer had just been jailed and in a provincial prison before the train robbery and was hoping to get parole and other favorable outcomes from talking. He clearly did not know all the names perfectly, and a second informant, a woman, was able to fill in the gaps. Millen said in his book, Specialist in Crime, the breakthrough with the informer came at a moment when I and my colleagues at the yard were in a state of frustration, almost approaching despair. This process gave them 18 names to be passed on to the detectives to match up with the list being prepared from fingerprints collected at Leather's Lane. Hatherill and Millen decided to publish photos of the wanted suspects despite strong protests from Tommy Butler and Frank Williams. This resulted in most of the robbers going to ground. Tommy Butler, the chief taker, the thief taker. Tommy Butler was a shrewd choice to take over the flying squad and, in particular, the train robber squad. He became arguably the most renowned head of the 
Flyingswood in his history. He was known variously as Mr. Flyingswood, as one day Tommy for the speed with which he ever had criminals, and as the Grey Fox for his shrewdness. He was Scotland Yard's most formidable thief taker, and as an unmarried man who still lived with his mother, he had a fanatical dedication to his job. Butler worked long hours and expected all members of the squad to do the same. The squad later had to work out rotations whereby one member would go home to rest as otherwise they were getting only three hours of sleep per night and had no time to eat healthy or see their family. families. When the squad tried to get him to ease the working conditions, Butler was arranged and threatened to send them back to their normal duties. Butler was said to be very secretive with Jack Slipper claiming in his book Slipper of the Yard 1981 that he wouldn't even tell his own left and what the right one was doing. This meant that special train that the train robber squad members were often dispatched on specific errands with no knowledge of how their tasks fit into the overall investigation. Train Robbery Squad The six-man train robbery squad consisted of Detective Inspector Frank Williams, Detective Sergeant Steve Moore, Detective Sergeant Jack Slipper, Detective Sergeant Jan, Jim Neville, Detective Sergeant Lou Van Dyck, D-Y-C-K, and Detective the Constable Tommy Thorburn. Their senior officer, Frank Williams, was a quiet man. His specialty was dealing with informants, and he had the best working knowledge of the South on the criminal fraternity in the force. One of the, one of the squad, Jack Slipper, would later become head of the flying squad and would still be involved in the case many years later. Thank you for listening to this second part of the Great Train Robbery. Have a good week, stay safe, 